Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos, Israel Keys and Fritz Harmon. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. This week, we give you a double dose of brutal serial killers, one who went undetected for over a decade, and the other who became known as the Vampire of Hanover. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number 1. Israel Keys It's rare for serial killers to go unpunished, especially when they confess to their horrific crimes. But 34-year-old Israel Keys killed himself soon after confessing to his killing, choosing to take the coward's way out instead of facing prosecution. For nearly a decade, Keys lived life like a seemingly ordinary man, after finishing his service in the U.S. military, he set up his construction business. After settling into Alaska, he used his job as a contractor to travel to different states to do jobs, but more importantly, to commit his crimes. On March 16, 2012, he was arrested in Texas when he used a debit card owned by a young girl named Samantha Koning. His rental car license plate was caught by an ATM camera, which led authorities directly to him. The 18-year-old Samantha was an Alaskan native who worked as a barista at a coffee stand in Anchorage. In February of 2012, someone had kidnapped her from her workplace. But the abduction was partially caught on surveillance cameras and a massive manhunt was underway. Police tracked down Keys in Texas when he stole her money, and that's when he admitted to police that he had taken Samantha to his shed and then sexually assaulted her before strangling her to death. Immediately after this, he left for a two-week vacation cruise and upon his return, dismembered the corpse and then dumped it in the Matanuska Lake close to Anchorage. As if this wasn't strange enough, Keyes suddenly began talking a lot. His interview resulted in more than 40 hours of taped conversations between him and the FBI. In them, he admitted to and detailed at least eight other murders. He said he was responsible for four in Washington State, two of which were random individuals, while the other was a couple. Then he killed another person somewhere along the East Coast and buried that body in upstate New York. The couple killed in Washington State were Bill and Lorraine Courier. On June 2, 2011, Keyes went to Chicago 
rented a car, and then drove to Vermont. While there, he randomly chose Bill and Lorraine's home. He broke in, tied them up, and then took them to an abandoned property. He killed Bill by shooting him in the head and then sexually assaulted Lorraine before strangling her. Unfortunately for the families, he never told investigators where or what he did with the bodies. Even though he only actually admitted to eight murders, investigators believe he's killed up to 12 people. The FBI discovered that he made 35 trips to different states across the country between 2004 and 2012. Aside from killing people, he also committed robberies, raped a teenager, performed multiple home invasions and burglaries, as well as killed animals during his years growing up. When asked why he killed people, he simply answered, why not? For Keyes, killing was purely for enjoyment and nothing else. Initially, he would wait for his victims to come to him, picking a remote location like trailheads and national parks to wait patiently for anyone to show up. After that, he began taking extreme measures by going to a different state altogether and finding victims there. His job gave him an excuse to travel, and he would stash murder kits, which included plastic bags, money, shovels, weapons, and other items to dispose of bodies. His murder kits in New York and Alaska have been found, but he said there are other ones in Texas, Wyoming, and Washington as well. Despite sharing information about his crimes to police, Keyes apparently didn't see the need to talk anymore, and in December of 2012, he was found dead in his Anchorage jail cell. He had slit his wrist and used his preferred method of killing when he strangled himself using a rolled-up bedsheet. He left a four-page written letter, which was soaked in blood. The FBI enhanced the contents to make some of it readable and found out it was an ode to murder, with no information about his victims or clues to any of his other crimes. Number 2. Fritz Harmon Fritz Harmon's guillotined head had been preserved in formaldehyde for medical and research purposes for 89 years before it was finally cremated by the University of Göttingen's medical department in 2015. For most people, the name might not ring a bell, but Harmon was a true pioneer in serial killing. Dubbed as the Butcher of Hanover and also the Vampire of Hanover, he was born in Hanover, Germany in 1879, the youngest of six children. At a young age, he would manifest his deviancy by tying up his sisters, dressing up in their clothes, and even going around at night tapping on neighbors' windows to make it seem like something supernatural was happening. By the time he was 17, he was arrested for molesting several children. As a result, he was thrown in an asylum where he was to spend the rest of his life, but he managed to escape to Switzerland and stayed there for 16 months before finally making his way back to Hanover. When he got there, he enlisted in the army but was discharged due to a medical condition. After that, he got married and tried his hand at leading a normal life. But in the end, he left his wife and child after accusing her of having an affair. From then on, Harmon pursued a life of petty crime and eventually horrendous acts of violence. Starting in 1905, he was in and out of jail over the next several years. In 1913, he was sent to jail for a longer sentence for burglary. By the time he was released in 1918, World War I was over and Germany was in a desperate situation. Poverty abounded and people were hungry and desperate for money. 
Crime rose to an all-time high, and police welcomed any help they could get. Fritz volunteered his services as an informant despite his background. It was during this time that he launched his terrorizing campaign. Using the Hanover Central Station as his main hunting ground, he would lure and invite young boys to his home under the pretense of giving them food or pretending he was a police officer. He committed his first murder then by killing 17-year-old Frito Roth. The boy was a runaway and last seen in the company of Harmon. When police raided his property after pressure from the family and eyewitnesses, they found a half-naked 13-year-old boy. Harmon was charged with sexual assault and battery, but the police, likely because he was an informant, never fully searched his place. If they had done so, they would have found Roth's dismembered head covered in newspaper behind his kitchen stove. It was later in the year when Harmon met his young lover and accomplice, Hans Granz. Harmon had a deep affection for the boy and invited him to share his apartment. After Harmon served 18 months in prison for the prior sexual assault charge, he moved into a new place with Hans once he got out. This time, the apartment was close to the Lean River near Hanover's old quarter. Harmon then began luring young boys. They were runaways, commuters, and male prostitutes, all of which were invited to spend time at his house. He would promise them a meal or a place to stay, and once there, after pleasantries were exchanged, he would attack them with the help of Hans. Harmon's favorite style was to overpower the victim and give them love bites. These were done with such force that the blood would often spurt out, and Harmon would sometimes chew through the neck until his victim died. He committed several more murders in the apartment, dismembering his victims before dumping their remains in the river. They would then sell the victim's possessions on the black market to make some extra cash. It's even rumored he also sold human flesh and passed it off as black market meat to several unsuspecting buyers. He soon moved to a new apartment, and shortly after that, more boys began disappearing, most of whom were last seen around the Hanover Central Station, where Harmon would often patrol. By May of 1924, skulls and bones started showing up in the Lean River. By June, residents thoroughly searched the area and discovered several more. Police also combed a section of the river and found close to 500 human bones which were later identified as belonging to 22 different individuals, most of which had knife wounds or similar striation marks on them. Police knew of Harmon's background and that he was a homosexual which was punishable by law during the time, so they decided to put him under surveillance. On June 22nd, he was seen arguing with a young man at the station. When approached by the officer, he told them that the youth was traveling under forged documents and had to be arrested. They did so, but the teen soon revealed that he had been living with Harmon for four days and that he was raped repeatedly and threatened under knife point. Police arrested Harmon the following day and searched his place. It was here they discovered the walls covered in blood. Clothing and other items were strewn about, many of which belonged to the missing victims. These were put out on display in the police station and families and relatives were invited to identify them. Initially, Harmon denied everything, but upon the urging of his sister, he finally confessed to raping, murdering, and dismembering several young boys. He was compliant with investigators, even sharing information about what he had done freely. His accomplice Hans was also arrested as an accessory to murder. 
In total, police connected Fritz to the disappearance of 27 young men, but it's believed he killed more than 50 throughout his life. After a two-week trial, both Harmon and Granz were found guilty and sentenced to death via guillotine. Customary to German law, Harmon was not informed when his sentence would be executed until the night before. He asked for an expensive cigar and Brazilian coffee as his last wish. Before he was killed, his last words were, I repent, but I do not fear death. So these were two of the most violent and psychotic stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted Twos is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe and check out some of our other videos we know you'll love. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com/live.